Well, good morning. Good morning. Man, let me tell you, uh, it's just been just a, an incredible time here in this new series to kick off the first of the year, talking about all things being made new. We kicked off the very first of the year with Danny Cahill, you know, and that was just a blast having him here. And I know we enjoyed him talking about helping us uh, overcome and finding our reason why. And then we talked about helping us to find that reason the next week uh, with the trainers, Nikki and Rob. And uh, that was just a great time as well. And then we've been talking over the past couple of weeks about finding a new priority and a new perspective and getting God's perspective on our lives and to walk out this new because we can keep talking about it, but I want to know how do I walk it, right? And, and I want us to be able to understand what it means to walk out this new and how to live this new life in Christ and how to find this new identity and have this new perspective. And so today, if you're taking notes, and uh, I want you to write this title down, A New Chapter. We're going to talk about a new chapter today. So if you're following along, you can write that down. Or if you have uh, your iPhone with you or your Android device or whatever the case may be, you can follow along on the Uversion app. Just go to the Uversion app and search for live and then look for an event in your area and you'll see the event here and you'll be able to follow along in the notes this morning as well. So before we go any further, let's just bow our heads and let's just pray together. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share your truth with your people. I thank you that you've prepared our hearts, God, that the ground is ready to receive that seed of your truth, God, that's going to be sown on good soil, that it's going to just produce an awesome harvest in our lives, God, and in those around us. And I thank you for the impact, Father. I thank you for the fruit in advance. And we believe that we receive when we pray, and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we're talking about a new chapter, uh, think about a story, you know, in a book. And my son calls them chapter books, you know, the ones that aren't just the quick little Disney readers or whatever, chapter books. Chapters, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to build upon one another. You know, and in a story, what we see is that characters will go through different obstacles, and as each chapter builds, the thing that keeps us hooked and the thing that keeps us still wanting to read is that we hope that whatever predicament that that character has gotten him or herself in, that they get out of it, that they come out victorious, that they come out on top, whatever the struggle may be. No matter what the challenge may be, we're hoping for that happy ending. And we want to see that next chapter build and things get better. But oftentimes we'll see things go up and down and then up and down and then it'll look like there's no hope. And then all of a sudden you turn the page and you're on a new chapter. And guess what happens? All of a sudden there's a turnaround. There's a breakthrough. Something happens that helps that person to get through whatever struggle they may have been getting through. And you know, as I think about that, I, I kind of look at our lives, at the chapters of our lives as it's been building. They're building on one another. And I believe that as we embrace this truth today, that we can start a new chapter in our lives and begin not just talking about all things being made new, but we can walk into that chapter of experiencing all things made new. Amen? That's what I want to do, and that's what I want for you, and that's what God wants for us, is to us to, for us to begin to experience new. So I want you to write this down this morning. For us to make all things new and walk in it, we're going to have to separate from our past by identifying with Christ. We've got to get that in our hearts. We have to separate from our past by identifying with Christ. Because in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, the Word of God says that, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, how many things are come new? It says all things are made new. 
If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we have to understand that that even means all of the things in our past, good or bad, right? Good or bad. We can look back on those previous chapters in our lives and we can see no matter how rotten we were, how dirty we were, how bad of a person we may have been, that we have to separate ourselves from our past and find our identity in Christ. Other words, uh, if, if we don't, we're going to be dragging our past around for the, le- for the rest of our lives. We're going to be dragging our wounds around. We're going to be dragging our scars around. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to begin to infect other people with our wounds and our hurts because Whatever has developed in us because of our wounds, we want to make other people feel that. And we project that onto other people, our hurts and our pains. It's like Pastor Mike says week after week at Celebrate Recovery, he says hurting people hurt people. And that's what we'll do. We'll drag our past around, drag our wounds around, and we'll hurt others. It's because there may be a light, an area in our lives where we're not identifying with Christ and we're not fully, bless you. And we're, not fully, and we're not fully experiencing that new life that God has called us to. Because God doesn't want us to drag that junk around for the rest of our lives. You know that? He doesn't want us to feel guilty and shameful because of our past. When he says all things made new, he means all things. He doesn't mean, yeah, except that one thing, because I want you to feel like trash and like a second-rate, second-class citizen for the rest of your life because you did that. I don't want you to feel like that for the rest of your life. You've got to change your perspective. You have to separate yourself from your past. Now, that's hard to do because there's constantly things around us that will remind us of our failures and our mistakes and of the things that have hurt or that have wounded us. A lot of times we'll see people. That's one of the biggest things as we interact with other people. Maybe there's past relationships that we're still interacting with. And, and, and because of those interactions, it's constantly just throwing those wounds and that hurt and that shame back in our face. Maybe there's a certain place that you just don't like to go because it reminds you of failure. Oh man, when we go through such and such town, I'm going to make sure I hit the gas because I don't want to stay there very long. Because it reminds me of failure. Because it reminds me of pain. And so you've got to understand, we've got to separate ourselves from our past or this stuff's going to be dragging us down for the rest of our lives and we do that by finding our identity in Christ you remember if you were here when I uh, taught a couple of weeks ago about uh, finding a new perspective I gave the scripture Ephesians chapter 4 and we talked about how Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus and he was trying to help them to find their identity in Christ and understand his grace and understand that they weren't better or worse than anyone else but it was because of Christ that we were made righteous. It was because of Christ that we were forgiven. It was because of his grace, not because of anything we did. And he said this in Ephesians chapter 4 and you can turn there if you would like. Ephesians 4 and verse 23, he tells them what they need to do. He says, listen, guys, in Ephesians 4 and 23, he said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you need to put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He said, listen, this is a decision that you make. He, God has already done what he's going to do on the inside of you. But whether or not you choose to walk in that forgiveness and walk in that grace and that peace, he's not going to force it on you. You've got to choose to put on that new man. You've got to make that decision, and you do it by renewing your mind or changing the way that you think, the way that you view yourself, the way that you allow others to dictate how you even perceive yourself. 
And you say, you know what? I'm going to make the decision to find my identity and who I am in Christ, not in where I've been and what I've done. Amen, somebody. Uh, You know, so we've got to separate ourselves from our past. Yeah, that was who I used to be. That was who I formerly was. But I'm not going to identify the rest of my life with where I came from and who I was before Christ. I'm not going to allow those mistakes and those failures, even those things that were beyond my control, I'm not going to let those wounds dictate my future any longer because I'm going to find my identity in Christ. So that means that if he says you're forgiven, then guess what, folks? It means you're forgiven, right? The path to restoration and all things being made new, it starts. It starts with your perspective. Because you have to have a vision for where you're going so you won't get stuck. You've got to see beyond where you're at right now. You've got to see beyond the mistakes. You've got to see beyond the failures. You've got to see beyond that stuff. Otherwise, you're you're always going to be faced with the same old junk in one form or another. You know, I bought a house in Texas years ago. And uh, we bought it. It was a foreclosed home that we got at a steal. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it, it was back when uh, all of the housing market was just doing really, really well. But, but this uh, particular home, uh, you know, had, it belonged to the bank. And, and man, it was in rough shape. <laughs> I think that when the people got foreclosed on, I think they decided to do a little damage to the house before they left. I mean, there were huge holes in the wall. The, there were light fixtures that were, that were hanging about right here, about, you know, uh, chest level to me, uh, from the wires that looked like they'd just been ripped out of the ceiling. Um, there was this beautiful, beautiful blue shag carpet in the living room um, that had brown spots and black spots and pieces missing. It was beautiful. And, uh, and, and then there was this, uh, this fireplace that didn't work. It was all clogged up. And, and there was this lovely, uh, thick, uh, half wood paneling around the side where some panels were missing. And, and it was just, it, it was a fixer upper. And let me tell you, we bought this thing, but guess what? We had a vision of what this house was going to look like. We saw it. I mean, me and my wife were, oh, yeah, we're going to buy this house, and we're going to put X amount of dollars into it. We're going to, that bathroom's going to look like this. This bedroom's going to look like this. We're going to do that. And so we were living in, uh, in a duplex at the time uh, with our three kids and another girl that we allowed to live with us for a time. So it was a little tiny uh, deal when we were ready to get out. We were a little antsy to get out of that small space. Um, but during the meantime, I would spend a lot of evenings, you know, till one, two in the morning going over to this house and doing some repair work, which don't let me fool you. I am not a handyman. Uh, I, I am not. I was just thinking that YouTube would save me and any problem I could get into somebody on YouTube had been through it and I could just figure it out from there. Sometimes that was true. Sometimes it cost me a lot more money. And if I would have just hired it out. But anyways, I got in that house and I started ripping up carpet. I ripped up flooring. I gutted rooms, gutted bathrooms. I repaired sheetrock. All this stuff. I just started fixing this house up. And I finally got it to a place where it wasn't finished. But I decided that it was good enough for us to move into. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so we move our whole family into this house that's not finished. And we get involved with all these different projects. And you know that bathroom, I just couldn't get over how ugly it was. And I couldn't get over just how gross it was and how terrible shape those people had left it in. So I decided, you know what, I want a new bathroom, so I'm going to completely gut this one. So I got in there with a sawzall, and I got in there just started cutting all the fiberglass uh, tub out. And I ripped it all out and got the whole thing just completely gutted. And then I got stuck. 
because we moved in and we got comfortable and the projects began to pile up and pile up and all the good intentions and all the dreams and all of the ideas just kind of went came to a standstill mainly because we ran out of money and we ran out of time and then we just said you know what we just we we, we just don't have uh, the time to be able to do this because now it wasn't a priority like it was before because we're here we're in we can kind of halfway make it work and we do a little here and a little there but we never got a whole lot done we got stuck because we lost sight of what it was supposed to be we lost that drive we lost our vision for this house but then all of a sudden my vision got renewed when it came time to move and I needed to sell it <laughs> my vision got renewed and my passion and my drive just woke up and came alive and I got enough done to get us out of the house and we sold it and it was a wonderful thing to be able to get out of that house and to sell it but you know that's a lot of times how it works in our lives is that we will start something and if we don't deal with our past, if we don't separate ourselves from who we were before Christ, we'll get in that same situation where we'll get stuck and we can't get past it. We'll get comfortable. We'll just sit back in our easy chair and just allow things to just pass us by because we'll think, you know what, I guess this pain is manageable. I guess this amount of disappointment in my life is manageable. I guess that my marriage now is, is at a place where it's manageable. It's not what God wants it to be, but oh well, it, at least it's at a decent place. I guess now that my, oh, where, where my finances are, I guess it's just manageable. I guess where I'm at in life, it's just, uh, this will work. And we just settle and we get stuck. All the meanwhile, this stuff keeps piling up and piling up and piling up and piling up. I guess that my walk with God is just manageable. Me and God, we're good. I guess this is good enough. And we never move forward and we never grow because we get stuck right where we're at. We lose vision. And so, folks, it's very important that we wrap our identity up in Christ and not in our past, not in our mistakes and not in our failures. Because if we don't, we will get stuck from moving forward. We've got to see past our past. We've got to see past all of the junk. We've got to see ourselves forgiven. Amen? We've got to see ourselves free from addiction. We've got to see ourselves free from those things, those chains that are holding us back, from those things that make us miserable. We've got to see ourselves free. And then we've got to move towards that. And then the next thing we've got to do is we've got to separate from the present the things that would keep us from moving forward, the things in your life right now, the things in your present that would keep you from moving forward. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn over to Joshua and the 24th chapter, Joshua 24. In case you don't know who Joshua was, I want to give you just a little bit of background on Joshua. You remember Moses was the guy that led the Hebrew children out of captivity from the Egyptians. Well, the Egyptians had the Hebrews in captivity for 400 years, okay? And then all of a sudden Moses comes and, and, and God uses him to deliver them, you know, let my people go, and they left from the uh, land of Egypt and from slavery, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and God was still faithful to them, still took care of them, even when they did well, even when they didn't do well, and they were unfaithful. They would turn and repent, and God would heal them, or God would feed them, or God would deliver them. And he was always there. But because of everything that happened and went on, Moses didn't quite make it to the place that they were going. They were going to a place called the Promised Land. It's now known as modern-day Israel and where God had them. It was a land He had prepared just for these people. It was their promised land. And they were on the way there. And they wandered around for 40 years. The entire generation passed away. 
because they were stuck and they were wondering. But then they get to the very edge of the promised land. God allows Moses to see it, but he never got to step foot in it. Moses dies. And then the second guy in command, his right-hand man, Joshua, steps up to the plate. And now Joshua's the leader. And Joshua leads this group of people that wasn't just a couple of hundred folks. No uh, theologians and historians best estimate that the nation of Israel or the Hebrew children at that time was somewhere around a million people. So you're talking about moving a lot of folks around, not just a couple of hundred folks. You're talking about a lot of people that are moving around for 40 years. And, and, and they're still having kids and they still need to eat. And they're still, where, where's this promised land? Where's God taking us? And Joshua steps up and he says, I'll lead you. I'll take you because God had called him to do so. So he leads him across the Jordan River into the promised land. But that wasn't the end of the story. Oh, no, you think just because they're in the promised land, now everything's going to be great. But no, it wasn't because there were other nations that were enemies of God that were already occupying this land that was given to them. So guess what they had to do? We're in the promised land. Now we've got to fight. Oh, great. And so they fight. And time after time, God, God gave them the battle. And they won the victory. And they would run the, the, this group off. Or they would run that group off. And God would give them the victory to run all of these people out of this land that he had promised to them. And now, all of this has been done. They've fought battles. They've crossed over the Red Sea. They've crossed over the Jordan River. They've seen all these things. They've been fed by manna in the desert. They've seen Moses pass away and Joshua rise up to leadership. They've walked around the walls of Jericho and they've seen him fall. All of these things have happened. And now Joshua is standing before the people. And they were split up into 12 different tribes, all of these people. And he was divvying out the land and saying, okay, this tribe gets this piece of land over here. And this area over here belongs to you. And this belongs to you because now we've won the victory. And with all that being said, here's what Joshua says to the children of Israel. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 1, Then Joshua gathered all of those tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, they dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. He said, Now listen, this is your past. These are the things that happened before. He said, now, on the other side of the river, in old times, they served other gods. Now, scroll down here to, to verse 13. Let's look at that. And Joshua continues and says, and I have given you a land that you did not labor for, cities you did not build, and you're going to dwell in them. You're going to eat the vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. Now, therefore... Fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day who you're going to serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He's saying, listen, there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity here for us to make a decision right here in our present. Are we going to pedal backwards? Are we going to serve the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? Are we going to serve the God of our fathers in old times that was on the other side of the river? He said, no, listen, I'm making a decision right now in my present that's going to keep me moving forward. That's not going to hinder me. That's not going to take me backwards, back into slavery, back into where I used to be. So I'm making the decision right now in my present as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. 
As for me and my house, we're making the decision. Here's what Joshua was telling them. He said, listen, guys, it's time for us to leave Egypt behind us. The 400 years of slavery, the 40 years of wandering in the desert. He said, our failures, our mistakes, it's time to leave all that stuff behind. Because, listen, folks, you can live in the promised land with an old mentality, and you can be completely missing the fact that Jesus has made you free, that you're forgiven, and that you're new. You can be completely missing that fact and be living in that promised land if you don't make a decision right now. I've got to separate from myself, myself from the things in my present that would keep me from moving forward. The things right now. Not just the things in the past, but the things right now. I've got to separate myself from anything that would keep me from moving forward. Because a lot of times, if we don't, we will recreate the same scenario that got us into bondage in the first place. Even though Christ has made us free, even though we've been redeemed, even though we've been forgiven, if we don't separate ourselves from those things in our present that would keep us from moving forward, we'll recreate that exact same scenario that got us into bondage in the first place. But yet, Christ has already made us free. He's already made us free. He's already forgiven us. Why would we recreate those situations? Because we didn't separate. Because even though we've been forgiven, that's wonderful. Even though all things have been made new, that's wonderful. Now it's time to make the decision. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's time for us to make the decision. I'm going to trust in God and His Word. I'm going to do what God commands me to do and desires for me to do because I want to value the things He values. I want the things that are important to God to be important to me because I want to move forward in life. It's great that I've been forgiven. It's great that my past has been washed away. But at the same time, I don't want to recreate that. By not separating myself from the things that got me there in the first place. It's time for us to move forward and be the people God has called us to be. So let me ask you this. What are those things in your life that you're facing right now in your present that could actually take you backwards or could keep you from moving forward? You know, a lot of times we get to a place where we say things like this. Oh, I'll dabble in a little bit of this and a little bit of that because I can control it now. I can control this situation now, or I can control this person, or I can control this habit or this addiction now. And because that, it, oh, it'll be okay if I, if I just play around a little bit in this area or that area. And then next thing you know, we find ourselves in bondage all over again. When Christ has made us free, when his desire for us is freedom, not bondage, but we've got to separate ourselves from the things in our right now, in our present, today, that would keep us from moving forward you know we don't need to sacrifice our current victories in our lives for temporary pleasure and happiness hello somebody we don't need to sacrifice those current victories for something temporary that we think oh i can control this now or no he's made you free now you need to walk in that freedom like somebody who has already won the victory amen amen, amen. and here's what the next thing we need to do we need to allow god's grace to propel us into the future that He has for us. We need to allow His grace to propel us into that future because He can take your past. He can take even those things and those situations that you thought would absolutely destroy you and He can turn those things around for our good. You know, the Bible says in John 10 and 10 that the thief or the enemy, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come that He might give us life and life in abundance. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yesterday morning, Dave Funkhauser was teaching the men, and we had a men's breakfast. And one of the things he said stuck out uh, more, than, more than anything else that, that I've just been thinking on. And he said that, you know, the greatest lie that the devil has is that he doesn't exist. It's the greatest lie he's ever told is that he doesn't exist. 
Because a lot of times we'll blame God, we'll blame other people, we'll blame all types of things in our lives when we need to realize that there is an enemy that desires to steal, that desires to kill, that desires to destroy. And we need to recognize that. And, and when we see ourselves going through things in our lives, when, when, when we're faced with temptation, when we're faced with struggle, it's an opportunity that the enemy is trying to use to steal from us or to kill or to destroy something in our lives that is precious, that's important. God's grace will propel us, though, into that future that he has for us. And he can take those negative situations, those trials, those failures, those mistakes, all that stuff, and he can use it what the enemy meant to destroy us, God can turn it around for our good. Amen? Amen. I mean, that thing you thought that you were just at the end, you thought, it's over. I have no reason to live anymore. God can take that thing. And he can turn it around and actually use it by his grace to propel us into the future that he has for us. And he can help us to walk out and live and understand what it means for all things to be made new. So look at somebody and say, it ain't over. Oh, come on. Say it like you're from the South. It ain't over. Come on. It ain't over. It ain't over. It, it, it's not over for you just because it's tough. It's not over for you just because you feel like you've lost everything. It's not over for you just because of a bad decision or a bad choice. It's not over for you just because you may be under a heavy attack right now from the enemy. It's not over. It's not over. You've got to know that God in this chapter, in this new season, as you step out of that thing and you begin to trust God and you begin to believe that His mercies are new every morning, you believe that His grace is sufficient, that you believe that He is greater than anything and He lives on the inside of you and that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. When you believe that and when you trust in that, He can take that thing and turn it around and turn it into a testimony like you saw earlier today. He can use that thing to turn it around and make it something that, that, that your faith is unshakable because, listen, let me tell you where I've been. Let me tell you what I've been through. Let me tell you what God has brought me from and how faithful he has been. How he never left me or, for, or forsook me, even when I felt like I was all alone. Sometimes you do. You feel all alone, right? Feel like, oh my God, where are you? I, I, I feel like... You're a million miles away. And he said, I, I was there whether you felt me or not. I was there whether you were aware of it or not. How do we know that? Because his word says he'll never leave us or forsake us. Amen? Amen. And if his word says it, then it doesn't matter how I feel, right? If his word said it, that transcends how I may feel at the moment. Because there's some times that I feel pretty crummy. There's some times I feel like, man, I, I, I'm just a slob of a Christian and God must really hate my guts. I don't read the Bible like so-and-so does. I don't pray like so-and-so does. I don't go to church as much as so-and-so does. And we feel like we're worthless. Now, should we not do all those things? Well, of course we should do those things. Those things are good things to do. But it doesn't put us in a higher rank of God's love. Because it's not by our works that we're saved or that God likes us more than someone else. The Bible says that you're not saved by your works. Otherwise, you could boast and talk about how awesome you are. He said, you're not saved by works. He said, you're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift. Amen? Amen. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what, uh, what, what class man would want to put you in. What rank and file people would want to say, you belong here and you belong there. It doesn't matter in the eyes of God. 
So I've got to start seeing myself like God sees me. Amen? I've got to start accepting His, His truth by faith. I can't allow my past or my present circumstances and struggles to dictate my future any longer. It's time for us to find our fight, to find our reason why, to find our reason not to give up when it gets hard and quit making excuses and blaming other people. <laughs> As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right in the middle of the temptation to go back to the other side of the river. You know, there were times during that journey that the Hebrews took that, the whole, that they would get a whole gang of them together and they would go and talk to Moses and they would say, Hey, Moses, we want to go back to Egypt because we're hungry. Because at least there we got fed bread. At least there we get to eat every day. Now, we're here wandering in the desert looking for some promised land. We'd rather go back into slavery, submit ourselves to slavery just so we can have something to eat. You know, there's so many times that we want to give up and we want to say, it'd be easier just to go back. There's times we'd say, it'd just be easier just to go back. But you know that even though it would be easier at times, we have to make that decision every day. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? As for me and my house, I'm making the decision right now that I'm going to serve the Lord regardless of what others may say, regardless of how I may feel at that moment. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We need to allow God's grace to enable us to understand how to walk in the victory that Jesus has bought and paid for. We need to understand how to do this, and we do it by accepting God's truth of what He says about us by faith. If we're ever going to be victorious in life, if we're ever going to feel forgiven... If we're ever going to be overcomers, we must learn to accept God's truth for us by faith when we don't feel it, when we don't see it, because we've got to begin to do that. We've got to begin to accept and believe what God says, because when we do, we will begin to make decisions in our lives based off of what God says is important, based off of what God values. But we have to accept that by faith. Because it's not like, oh, I read something in the Bible and then all of a sudden I, I pray a prayer and then all of a sudden the next day everything is rosy. I've got to accept it by faith when I don't feel it, when I may not see it. Because that's what faith is, is trusting in what you don't see. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of the things that I can't see and the things that I can't feel. I have to be reassured in my heart, whether I feel it or not, that God's truth is true and that He's faithful to do what He says He's going to do. Amen? Amen? It's not my decision to try to dictate to God when, how, where. It's my job and my responsibility to trust that He's faithful and to trust that He's true. I've got to accept that by faith. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you some scriptures to accept this truth. You, you, you're going to have to accept this by faith. Because you may not be at a place right now where you feel it. But you need to accept it by faith and trust it. Even though you don't feel it. Even though you may not see it. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take and commit this week to read these scriptures. And to think on them. Think on these things. I want you to listen to it. I want you to trust in this truth. And here's another thing I want you to do. I want you to speak it. You know that your words are very powerful. Now here's the deal. I know a lot of times when you speak words to other people, you know 
what to say to who, and how to make them think that everything is just rosy and peachy and everything's great. You know the right words to say to other people. And the reason I want you to speak it is because you need to speak it in those quiet times when you're by yourself. You know those times where you say what you really think about yourself or what you really feel at that moment? You know, when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and it's just you in the mirror and you're looking and you're going, another day. You look in that mirror and you go, man, I'm, I'm such, such a failure. Man, I'm a terrible husband. I'm a terrible wife. I'm a terrible dad. You just look at yourself in the mirror and you, you may not say these things out loud, but you're thinking them. You're, you're being honest with yourself in this moment because you're alone. You need to take that time that the enemy would try to get you to buy into the lie, to believe the lie, and you need to start speaking God's truth in that moment. Even if you don't feel it, even if it doesn't make you feel any better or any different, this isn't about making you feel better or feel different. This is about us learning to trust God when it's easy and when it's hard. Amen? Amen. It's about us learning to trust God. So, so we look in the mirror, and when we want to start thinking those thoughts or saying those things, we need to say out loud and hear ourselves say it. No, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not going to allow my past to dictate my future or dictate my day today. No. No. Even though I may be stressed out about what's going on at work, the peace of God that passes my understanding is going to guard my heart and my mind to Christ Jesus. And I begin to speak those things. I begin to look at myself and I believe it. And I believe it. I get it internalized where I'm saying it because I believe it. And then guess what happens? Then you begin to feel that confidence. It doesn't work the other way around. If that was the way it worked, then it would be a lot easier. Oh, but no, you've got to trust. You've got to put your faith out there. So I want to give you these scriptures that I want you to read and speak. My mom even used to take the little index cards, and she used to write scriptures on them. She still does. And uh, she would put them you know, somewhere where she'd always look a, a mirror or, or in the car or on a refrigerator or somewhere that's just a prominent place in your home that you'd see it just to remind yourself of who you are in Christ. And so here's the scriptures I want to give you this morning. God says you are forgiven. And that's found in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. And here's what Hebrews 8 and 12 says. Let me read it to you real quick. Hebrews 8 and 12 says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Think about all the sins and lawless deeds in your life. God says, I'll remember them no more. He said, I'm going to be merciful even in their unrighteousness. Even in their unfaithfulness, I'm still going to be faithful. He said, I'll remember those things no more. You are forgiven. God says, you are free. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, the Bible says this. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty or freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but use it to love and to serve one another. He said, listen, he said, you've been made free. He said, don't use that freedom as an opportunity to go backwards. Don't use that as an opportunity to put yourself back in a situation where you're in bondage. He said, use that freedom that you've been given through Christ to love and to serve one another. God says his grace is bigger. In Romans chapter 3, and verse 21, he says this, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely 
by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You're justified by His grace. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but He said you've been justified by grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God says His love is unending. That's in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. He said that, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. God says that all things are new. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things new. See, we need to accept these truths by faith. And we need to allow those things to influence our decisions. And His truth will truly set us free to be able to live the life that Christ desires for us. That's what He wants. That's what He desires for you and for me. is to live that new life. But we've got to accept it by faith. We've got to choose to believe. But you know what? I've sinned fallen short. I've messed up, but I'm not going to let those things govern and dictate where I'm going. Amen, somebody. I'm going to walk in the future that God has for me by allowing His grace to be sufficient, to help me to know what it means to walk in victory over addiction, to walk in victory over scars and wounds and baggage, to walk in victory over other people's opinions, to walk in victory over fear, anxiety, worry, to walk in victory and be an overcomer and walk in victory over depression and things that would want me to be drugged down and to steal and to kill and to destroy. I want to walk in that abundant life that Jesus has for me. And I do it by accepting God's truth by faith. I trust Him. That if He says it, and that's what He means, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to live it every day. It's a daily decision. It's a daily decision. Because just because you make that decision one time doesn't mean that the enemy is going to quit attacking you, right? It's a daily decision. Sometimes it's a decision you have to make every minute, depending where you're at in life and what's going on. I know it's tough. And I'm telling you those things about looking in the mirror, speaking that truth over yourself, because, hey, I struggle with that. I'll feel like, man, I messed up, or, man, I, I can't believe I made this decision, or, oh, I should, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. That condemnation wants to set in. But that condemnation is not a healthy motivator. God's grace is the motivator. His love is His kindness that leads us to repentance. Causes us to grow and be the men and women He's called us to be. And understanding the height and the depth of His love and growing in that understanding. Amen? That's what it means to love God and love people and serve the world. That's what that means. We grow in our understanding of His love, and it's contagious. But we have to accept it by faith. We have to accept forgiveness by faith. Would you bow your heads this morning? Maybe you're here in this place, you say, Pastor, I hear what you're talking about, God's love and God's mercy and God's grace and how it's bigger and how it's sufficient and how God is bigger than whatever is going on in my life. And I need Jesus in my life right now. I want to accept Him today by faith. 
to be my Lord and my Savior because I want to get my life right with God. I want to make that decision today. Today is the day. Today is the day for all things to be made new. And if you're here in this place today and you say, yeah, that's me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand or come forward. I just want you to just let me know while everybody's got their head bowed and their eyes closed that you're one of those people that says, I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus today by simply lifting your hand and putting it back down. I see those hands. I see your hand. I see that hand in the back. Put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else in this place? If you raise your hand today, I want you to repeat this prayer after me, but I want you to mean it from your heart. And church, would you just help me also by repeating this prayer as well so we let them know that we're here for them and that they're not alone. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart today. I accept your grace. I accept your forgiveness. I accept this new life. And I'm going to trust in you. From this day forward, I'm going to walk in the new life that you have for me. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. In Jesus' name, amen. Look back up here for a minute. If you said that prayer today, I would love for you to let us know.